Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. So it's Freedom Friday, and the Word of God says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Mm. But I got a problem, Scott. You you have a problem? I do have a problem because the Word of God says that I am free from condemnation, but I still feel condemnation. Let me explain myself real quick. Okay. When I sin, condemnation is all up in my business. Like I, I know <laughs> what I did and it haunts me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and we know that Satan likes to do that to us. He brings those sins sins before eyes. You say, well, you're not worthy to be in God's presence. Look what you did. Right. So a couple of days ago, I got angry. I felt taken advantage of, and that always makes me so angry. And so I apologize for the people who were exposed <laughs> to my anger and my outburst. But then I got angry at myself for just allowing it to happen in the first place. And this voice in my head said, you know better than to let your guard down. You idiot. You're so naive. You're just an easy target because you just trust everyone. Don't trust anyone. Hmm. That's what the voice of condemnation was speaking to me this week. And so if the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which I am, why do I hear that voice of accusation? Now we know who it is. Right. You keep reading in Romans 8 and you're going to find out that the enemy's voice, that's the one that you're hearing, like you said, Scott, has no value in the courtroom because of what Jesus Christ has done in taking the punishment for our sin. The enemy's accusations no longer carry weight in the courtroom, but that doesn't mean he stops talking. He keeps speaking. So it's up to us to know the truth. That when we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, taking our punishment upon himself, and we say, yes, I believe, and we actually profess with our own lips, Jesus Christ is Lord, mm. then the Spirit of God lives in us, and we are in Christ Jesus. No mm. condemnation. So we're in God's family now. If God is for us, who could be against us? We're more than conquerors. We're, we're victors. So when we hear that voice of condemnation, we silence that voice in Jesus' names. Those words are not permissible in the courtroom of God. In fact, you aren't even on trial anymore because of what Jesus did for right. you. So since the silencing the condemning voice and his lies with God's word is how we get it done, we need to be in the truth. We need to be in the word of God. Mm. And it says, who then shall dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Neil T. Anderson is somebody I'm quite fond of. He's the author of The Steps to Freedom in Christ, and I had the opportunity to, mm. to meet him and hear him speak up close and personal. He literally worked for NASA. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yes, he is, was a rocket scientist, so pretty brilliant man. And he, he switched from doing that to um, committing his whole life to helping believers get free from what holds them in bondage. And he helps them to 
to reclaim what's theirs to help them to find their identity in Christ and break free from condemning thoughts and compulsive behaviors, personal conflicts, spiritual struggle and despair, any type of personal or spiritual bondage. He helps them to get free of it. It's, it's a counseling type of thing, not coming from a counseling degree, but just from what scripture says about how we're to live. Yes. And Neil was speaking at Coachella in Southern California and Paul Cedar, who's a minister, was there and he was hosting a bishop from Africa. And this guy was kind of like a, a Billy Graham of Africa. Obviously, a, you we could say kind of a big deal, obviously big well deal. known throughout Africa. Yeah, absolutely. For being a godly man and mm-hmm. evangelist. And after Neil got done speaking, this African gentleman asked Paul, why do you have so many counseling, so much counseling in your country? And Paul said, well, you know, we have a lot of people that have a lot of problems. And he kind of went on and explained a little further, you know, to this man from Africa. And and the man said, oh, I see. In America, you counsel. In Africa, we repent. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch, right? But I think what strikes me about this is the word repentance to us as Americans, I think um, is kind of hard for us to stomach. It doesn't come with all kinds of positive, warm feelings, warm, fuzzy feelings. Right. Yeah. And there's almost something we, we, we don't want it to, it's kind of like not taking responsibility for our actions, but kind of, but maybe not. (laughs) Right. No, I think that, you know, the word repentance says acknowledge. Right. Doesn't say, um, my own definition or how I've understood to be repentance Mm -hmm. is, you know, acknowledge what you're doing that is not God's will right. for you and stop doing it. Right. And you're, do what you're God's agreeing will is. with God that if you're doing something wrong, you're agreeing with God that that's something that's not right. Yeah. Come to an agreement with God. That's yeah. an excellent way yeah. to put it. But I think that, you know, we've had different experiences with that word that kind of make us feel negatively about it. I had one, um, I had the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. This was several years ago, but we did the parade in the morning and then we were headed over to the Rose Bowl, but we had a lunch in between and we could kind of sit on this big grassy area outside of the stadium. And as we sat there, this group of people came walking through and they were carrying this big banner. There were two men that had these, you know, belts with the, mm-hmm. the holder for a big post, you know, and there's this big banner up above and they were walking side by side and there was a guy walking in front of them with a bullhorn and he was yelling at us in his bullhorn while we're just sitting there minding our own business, eating our lunch. He's yelling at us, telling us that we were all going to hell because we were watching football, I guess, because we showed up at the game. I don't know. But, Must be you know, a thing about football because I experienced the same thing when I went to the L.A. Rams-Chicago Bears game at SoFi Stadium. What is the deal? I don't know. I don't know either, but this guy was literally yelling, repent, turn or burn, like all the things that right. I didn't even want to be associated with that group of people. I didn't want people to know I was in you know, the Jesus camp by the way we were being represented in that moment. But repentance is actually a really, really good thing. It's coming into agreement with God, Mm -hmm. like you said so well, Scott. And when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the word repent, it just really means to to change your mind, think differently, reconsider. Mm -hmm. So... I have a practice of 
ending my days with a, a devotional that I do on this devotional app that I have. It's called Lectio 365. It's awesome. It has a morning prayer and devotion, and then it has evening prayers. And so it's the last thing that I do before to, I go to bed at night. I heat up my little rice bag, you know, to keep my feet yep. warm and put it down in my bed in the sheets. And uh, I plug my phone in and my, my phone does sit next to me on the bed stand. But before I turn off the light, I start this devotional and it's audio. So I can just close my eyes and and relax and just let the words wash over me. But there's it's about eight minutes long and there are four different parts each night to this devotional that I do. Reflect, rejoice, repent, and rest. And so as part of that repentance section, there's a prayer that's, that goes like this. Father God, would you remind me now of the ways in which that I sinned against you today through negligence, weakness, or my own deliberate fault? I take a moment to confess my sins before you. And it's this sweet, intimate moment of just being honest with God and apologizing for what I did that day that that was against his heart and then receiving his forgiveness and his grace. And in that moment, I just sense Jesus saying to me, you know, what he said at the beginning of his ministry so many years ago, kingdom of God is right here, girl. I got you. You know, repent and believe the good news, what I've done for you. And then I finish the devotion and I go to sleep. Mm. And my body and my soul can just rest because there truly is freedom in repentance. Well, Shauna, if I said the word yolk to you being breakfast time, you might think I was talking about an egg. Right. I would say (laughs) over easy, please. (laughs) Well, in this case, I'm not talking about eggs, but I'm actually talking about a yolk that would actually be put on two animals and usually usually oxen Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can do the job of uh, pulling a cart, maybe plowing a field. But it's also a word that can come to mind with some negative connotations as well. A, a connotation where people say they're under the yoke of slavery or mm. under the yoke of an oppressive regime, that kind of thing. Right. So, so you've, you've got the positive thing where you've got two people working or two animals working together and then the other. So let's look at that first image. We know that in order for those animals to be effective in helping the farmer with his plow or pulling a cart. And you can still see examples of this today if you head off into Amish country. Sure. Yeah, so, I have. You know, so, so you'd see that. And you know that those animals need to be submissive to the yoke in order to do their job. Because nothing's going to get accomplished if one or both of the animals fight against that or decide, I want to do my own thing. Right. <laughs> but I'm kind of, you're, you're holding me back, bro. Right. You can't <laughs> do your own thing. So it works best when you're submitted to the yoke, right? But also right. when you're in unity with one another, there's an image there for us as right. Christ followers. Yeah. Properly training those animals helps them to accept that yoke so that they can accomplish the work that they've been appointed to do. And do way more than what they could do on their own. Exactly. So let's talk about that negative side, you know, being under something oppressive or burdensome. Now the people of Jesus day certainly understood that because they were under the domination of the Roman empire the Jews were very, very much looking for their Messiah to come to take that yoke of oppression off of them. So, you know, enter Jesus. He comes into the picture and he says, hey, look here. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that was obviously a very appealing message to him, not just because of the Roman dictatorship, but because over the years, 
Pharisees had added on so many laws yeah, and yeah. so many traditions. Right. It felt like it was impossible to do anything. Yeah, politically and religiously, yeah. they felt the oppression, right. right, of this of this heavy yoke. I feel like um, the the series, the television series, The Chosen, mm-hmm. has done such a great job of giving us an, a visual understanding. If you've seen these episodes, you know what I'm talking about of, of what it felt like to live under that, both religiously and politically. Um, there are, I don't know how to explain this. There's that, which you, um, which is said, and then there's that, which is just like felt. Mm-hmm. And they really do a good job of portraying what you feel or what they felt in that time. And it's really hard for us to understand that because we, even though we might have some traditions that we might come up with maybe in our churches or in our families or whatever, it's usually nothing like what they did. Unless maybe you come from a Middle Eastern country where maybe that still kind of oppression goes on. Yeah, it's just like a constant living on, walking on eggshells, just fearful of your every step. And you could you could understand why people just said, "Okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to give up because there's just no way I can live up to the right. standard. No way I'm going to um, please God. I've you know I've tried to keeping all the rules and I miss one and then I've got to do this and it just doesn't seem to work out for me. Mm-hmm. So you can again imagine Jesus coming into the picture and saying that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. And he wasn't talking about casting off the yoke of the Romans or the fair, not or I should say, not just talking about casting off the yoke of the Romans or the Pharisees. And he's not talking about a rebellion, but he's actually talking about a new way of living, a new way of leaning into what the law of God meant. That's really a good point because I think so often we think that freedom means, and maybe as you know, Americans, we've kind of helped to shape this definition of freedom, but we think that freedom means I get to do whatever I want to do. And that's not a healthy way of living either. Freedom isn't, you know, just do what feels right and feels good to you. Mm-hmm. But there is a way of living that brings freedom. And Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come on into the Jesus way. So not do your own thing, but come on into the Jesus way and you're going to experience freedom like you can't even imagine. Yeah, and that was why Jesus, you know, boiled down the law. Okay, here's here's what the law boils down to. And he says, I says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And of mm-hmm. course, he's talking about the original law, not all the traditions and everything else that have been added on to it. The Ten Commandments, think about that. It says, love God first and love others. That's basically the Ten Commandments boil down into a very short positive statement. Right, right. So if maybe you're you're trying to live up to standards, you know, I can you know, remember going, make sure you get wear your hair short enough, keep your hair off your ears, uh, make sure you're not wearing bell-bottom pants. <laughs> I'm wearing bell-bottom pants today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously all that stuff's gone gone by the wayside. And, or, you know, just, it's we concentrate, we tend to concentrate in the outward appearance. What would I have to just ask because I don't, I literally don't know. What was the thing about bell-bottom pants? Uh, well, again, going back to the 70s, it was kind of considered a sign of rebellion. So, oh, wow. In particular circles, and actually the circles I kind of grew up in. So there you gotcha. go. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Stay with those straight leg pants. That's funny. I didn't so, know that. Yep. They're, they're that kind of thing. I'm sure there are other people that could attest to that. You learn so, everything. You learn something new every day. Yeah, there you go. You know, God wants us to work with him and he's, if, if we allow him to show us how to live 
to love others and to work for God's glory and not our own, we're going to find a yoke that allows us Mm. to thrive, a God, a yoke that allows us to be all that God intended for us to be. I have got something, just a really cool story I want to share with you this morning. If you're not careful, we could let the circumstances around us make us grumpy and steal our joy. That's true. So one of our listeners turned me on to the story. Uh, It's on Ann Voskamp's website. And if you don't know who she is, just Google her a minute. The woman is so in love with Jesus and gifted at writing. So she shared this story with us. Mm. A cynical, grumpy man was driving his daughter to school when they passed a tattered cardboard sign on one side of the road that said, honk if you're happy. (laughs) And he's like, oh my gosh, who makes a cheesy sign like that and puts it on the side of the road? That's so stupid, he thought. But one day, just on a whim, he honked his horn. And every day after that, as he drove by that sign, his daughter said, do it again, daddy, do it again. And pretty soon, every time he's on this stretch of the highway, this jaded, cynical man (laughs) is anticipating the sign, actually anticipating honking his horn. And he said, you know, and for just for a moment, I felt a little happier than I had before, as if honking the horn made me happier. Mm. If on a... 10, one to 10 scale, I was feeling an emotional two. When I honked the horn, my happiness grew several points. And in time, when I turned on highway 544, I noticed my emotional set point would start to rise. And that entire 13.4 mile stretch began to become a place of emotional rejuvenation for me. The sign said, honk if you're happy. But he discovered that the act of honking the horn actually made him happy. (laughs) And the question that struck him when he first saw the sign continued to just beg for an answer inside him, right? Who makes a cheesy sign like this and puts it on the road? Honk if you're happy. So one day he's just got to find out the answer. So he finds a house on the other side of this, the trees that kind of line the highway. And he goes up to the door and he asks the folks if they know anything about this happy sign. And at the man at the door welcomes him in and says, yes, 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 I made the sign. And this is why he made the sign. Mm. Every day he sits by his wife in a darkened room and his wife is terminally ill and he's just watching her lay there just waiting to die every single day. And one day he just, he couldn't take the darkness and the sadness anymore. And he just painted up the sign. He stuck it out on the road because he said, I just want people who are going on with their day-to-day life. I want them to know to, to, Take advantage of this moment. Don't take it for granted. This special never again to be repeated moment with the ones that they care for the most should be savored and they should be aware that there's happiness in this moment. And at first, after he put out the sign, there was only a honk here and a honk there. And his dying wife asked what that was about. And the husband explained he put the sign out there. And after a few days, there was just a little bit more honking. Okay. Uh And the husband said that the honking it kind of became like a medicine to her. Like as she was laying there, she'd hear the horns honking and she just found such comfort in knowing she wasn't alone in this dark room, that there were people out there. She was a part of happiness in the world and it was literally all around her. Honk if you're happy is in reality to be happy, honk. And give thanks if you're joyful is actually in reality to be joyful Give thanks. I feel like this is so appropriate this month as we're preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's from 1 Thessalonians 5.18. So if over the past few months you've sent some cynicism creeping into your own life, if maybe you could be described as grumpy and you could use some joy in your life, start giving thanks. Start right now in one word. What are you thankful for? I double dog dare you. <laughs> you to double text, dog I dare double you. Dog oh, wow. Dare you this morning to text me and let me know what you are grateful for in one word. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. Could you do it in a word, Scott? I think I could figure it out. Yeah. And it's Friday, y'all. Good morning to you. It is Freedom Friday. So good to kick off this day with you today. And the upper range of my voice apparently has found freedom going somewhere else for <laughs> yeah, today. So. Yeah, but Scott's a champ. He's hanging in there. You do. You have, I mean, it's really, uh, what's the word? I don't know. It's extra low and it's, you just sound smarter. Just, Everything you, you say know, sounds I'm, smarter I'm channeling, today. and again, I know I'm speaking to an older generation when I say this, so I'm channeling my inner Thurl Ravenscroft, or if you will. Tony the Tiger. Ah, there you go. That's a good one. You should say the, what's his line? That's great. They're great. There you go. So there you go. Nailed it. <laughs> we missed that on our Saturday. Certainly you had that on our Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Morning. Okay. Yeah, we watched Tony the Tiger. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Had that cereal for breakfast. The anyway. cartoon, right. Yeah. Or I mean, not the cartoon, the um, cereal. Right, Rusted but the commercial flakes. for yeah. it. Yeah, the commercial. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we digress. Thing. We digress. <laughs> we'll but talk it's about Friday. cereal and it, cartoons it's later. Friday. It's Freedom Friday. <laughs> All right. Hey. Galatians 5.13. This kind of plays off what we were talking about here just a few minutes ago. In this, Paul is telling the believers here, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Good news there. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There's a lot of great wisdom there. And I think something that maybe we need to read and reread and reread and just kind of ask God how to apply that to our hearts, just given all that's going on around us today, because everything seems to be about me, right? how it affects me. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the ways that, you know, we get to experience freedom in Christ is that when we know how much God loves us and the lengths that he went to, to ensure this eternal love relationship with us, we're free from trying to win the love of other people all the time and the favor of man. Mm -hmm. And we're free to actually love other people. Yeah. And we don't have to, again, try to seek the favor of God through our performance, which is something that I think we naturally tend to want to do, but it's not the right thing to do. We want to please God. Yes. Yeah. But God is not going to love us anymore because of our performance. Right. Right. But we're free to love God and we're free to love others. Mm. I was looking at the message version of this and it says, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy mm. the freedom. Mm. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Right. And, you know, we've seen examples in history time and again where people choose to just take that freedom to the extreme where it ultimately winds up destroying them. It winds up destroying societies. And it's, you know, it's really not for our good, but we tend to lose sight of that because of, you know, circumstances that may be going on. So, again, it's good for us to remember that while we are free, we also have a responsibility. So uh, be thinking about that. Maybe 
tell us how that's worked out in your life. Maybe a way in which you you understand you've got freedom. But you intentionally, intentionally didn't indulge in your freedom out of love for somebody else. All right. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.